Deshaun Watson. And welcome to the first ever episode of Turn Up For What, a podcast by the fans, for the fans, talking Texans in the Great British Isles. We'll be looking back on last week's narrow victory against the Jacksonville Jaguars as the team go back to 500 in the AFC South and look ahead to week three's trip out to take on the San Diego transplants in Zlatan's backyard. For joining us on the Turn Up For What podcast, we're a week late, unfortunately, just took us some time to get over the heartbreak of the week one defeat at New Orleans. I think that was one of the biggest roller coaster games that I've been a part of, certainly reminded me of some of the games that this team were involved in in Deshaun's rookie year, end-to-end, high-scoring, fun to watch for the neutral, tough to take and a late defeat, and we'll put that in the pile with all those late defeats of Circa, New England, Seattle, and... Philadelphia last season I think there's been multiple times where Deshaun has walked off this field looking like he's led this team to victory and the rest of the squad couldn't see it through so look I mean it was hugely inspiring from an offensive point of view and that's the first time since I've been watching this team since 2011 that I felt this team could hang under O'Brien with some of the offensive elite within the NFL it looked like we could score at any point the defence just couldn't couldn't muster enough to keep out Breeze and Co in the second half and we just saw that with 40 seconds that late field goal despite that two year two-throw 70-yard drive by Watson was just something special and I don't think many of us will forget for a long time. But look, thank you for joining us. It was uh, it was certainly something that we wanted to do for a while to kick off 2019 for the first time ever. We'll see the Houston Texans play on Great British soil when they kick off on the 3rd of November at Wembley Stadium. And since I've been watching this team, I've seen this fan base in the UK grow and a real passion for this team, particularly with the introduction of Watson and an offensive-led team has certainly brought more people interested in, in the in the red, white and blue in the south of Texas. We really want this to be about the fans and for the fans, as we said. We want to hear about your experiences, the games you've been to, the best, mo- the, the best moments, the worst moments, the players that brought you towards this team and made you pick them as your NFL team despite being sort of 4,000 miles away from... From Houston, it's been a crazy off season. I think the first two games of our schedule and the way the team has played has certainly reflected that. I was there to witness a somewhat underwhelming draft within Nashville. We took some kind of reach prospect type prospects uh, in the draft and, and didn't really necessarily address our two big needs that were to address corner and the offensive line. That, with also the the, the debacle of Jadavian Clowney's contract contributed to Brian Gain being fired as the general manager after less than 18 months in the role the debacle of Nick Nick Casario and he's in the language within his contract and the field attempt to bring him over for New England saw this team left without a GM and operate a committee approach which was unheard of in NFL circles Bill O'Brien is the de facto GM heads up that committee and since being given power and the reins to this franchise from Cal McNair and looks to be a, a much more no-nonsense accountability approach. Certainly we've pushed the reset button a number of times now in two seasons running on the cornerback and also on the offensive line. Some blockbuster trades and some movement right up to the deadline for this for this team before the start of the season. Again, again it saw some, some influx of talent. We've now effectively spent three first rounds and three second rounds on the on, on the offensive line to try and bolster this line. So we've, we've put the players in place now. It's up to Mike Devlin and the, and the coaching staff on that line to try and improve and, 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 and take this team forward and give Deshaun some time in the pocket to go and do what he does best. 
Looking back on last week, I think in terms of the, the, the tough interdivisional games as they always are, both head coaches know each other very well. And going into that game, obviously, with the loss last week for the Jags and Nick Foles, broken clavicle, out for a large proportion of the season. Certainly down on defence with AJ Boy and Yannick Ngokwe off the edge missing and as well as Cam Robinson at left tackle being held out with a persistent knee injury. The fanfare obviously leading up to this game was very much around Gardner Minshew and, and not only was it his moustache but he's he, he, he's like likeable charm in front of the camera and after being one year at Washington State found himself for his first ever start in NRG Stadium against the Texans on Liberty White weekend. I said before the start of this game, the biggest loss for the Jags versus last year was obviously going to be Telvin Smith. He was the core, core player within that defensive unit and then him being removed at linebacker, coupled with the ex lack of experience at safety, I felt there was some real matchups to go and exploit on from an offensive point of view for the Texans with their slot receivers, our tight ends and the quick passing game, which is the quicker the ball gets out, the less pressure, the less hitch Deshaun's going to take and I think that needs to be a more consistent theme with this offense. We did see that for the proportion of the first drive we got right down there. If Duke Johnson only continues his route to the pile, and I think he hauls in seven there, and this game all of a sudden starts off with a very different perplexion. I think in terms of the two changes on the line, Titus Howard comes in at left guard, our first round pick at Alabama State, 23rd overall. Roderick Johnson, former Florida State in, in late round draft pick by the Cleveland Browns, slotted in at right tackle, which was a reasonable shock, but yeah, listening to the people who followed training camp, were aware that this guy's certainly got a potential, he's got good feet, he's got good shock in the hands at a point of attack, so Roderick Johnson coming in, displacing Central Henderson at the right tackle tackle position. Now, if this is the five guys that Bill O'Brien Mike Devlin want to go after, they have to stick with this grouping now, because the two sacks, and I would only count it as two, because the, the second the second lot of two that counted to the fourth sacks that they said in the broadcast were procedure errors, a bad snap from Nick Martin, and we'll not get into Nick Martin's 33 million, 18 million guaranteed extension um, because perhaps it was unjust. And with Greg Manson in, in the form that potentially Zach Fulton showed at centre, it seems a bit of a head scratcher, but I think he's here to stay and we'll just have to hopefully he can he can improve and, and, and form a, a good cohesion with Deshaun at the centre. Um, but certainly it wasn't evident there that was giving up a cheap sack and then also. One, one where Deshaun's ran out behind the line of scrimmage and it technically counts as a sack. So really there was only two, but the two true sacks that we did that we did take, there were six rushers against five against five blockers. Again, Deshaun needs to set the protection right. People will continue. Every defensive coordinator that we come up against will put that in their plan until Deshaun can show, show consistently that he can pick up nickel and DB blitzers from the from the edge when we're out, outnumbered at the line of scrimmage. So that needs to be a work a continued piece of work that that Carl Smith and, and and Tim Kelly need to be in easier to try and improve that. I think bar that it just it was just communication on the line. There was two edge rushers on the outside. Roderick Johnson didn't get the, the call in to get get the light line to slide over to the right. It was Zach Fulton to go and kick out and help him and get and just outnumbered on the on the outside. So look, it was disappointing. It stalled drives. There was penalties in the offense line no more so right at the start of the two minute of two minutes after the two minute warning rather into the second half Fuller actually smoked smoked his, his, his DB who, who was up in relatively close coverage the Jags were single high it was a sure touchdown but the play was called dead before it even started and that sort of two minute period really kind of summed up I thought the Texans day in terms of how the offense stalled because it just could not get going there was a false start and then then Watson throws it 
overthrows a wheel route to Kiki on the outside. Again, we're looking at a third down. Then Watson Watson manages to hit Aikens over the middle. It was good to see the tight ends, but really getting involved. But we need more of that. Watson then holds in a slant with over just 40 seconds to go. And O'Brien does not call a timeout. And then the, the ball then is not snapped until 24 seconds left on the clock. So it, at least two plays at that point have evaporated and no longer can be clawed them back because O'Brien's unwillingness to use the timeout. By the time by the time we get down there, it's an absolute dime by Deshaun on a, on a skinny post to Kenny Stills. It takes the team into the red zone, calls the timeout. Next play... Watson scrambles, dives, calls the timeout. Now, we've burned so much time off the clock at this point, we've limited our chances seven. Yet, despite that, Watson misses Kiki wide open in the in the, the centre of the end zone, in between the two Jacksonville DBs. Clear passing lane, rolls out to the right, tries to throw high up to Aitkins, goes out incomplete, call another timeout, two seconds left on the clock kick three and I think that was really a kind of sum up really of the of the day because that, that at the time that, that would have been a real boost and a, a momentum builder going into the second half we would start res- by receiving the ball on offence again so really the team really just could not get out of its own way on offence I think Will Fuller will have a day which he'd like to get back I think he was he, he hauled in a nice pass for you know 20 something yards and then on the same drive should have hauled in one to take them within the 15 yard line and set up a real good scoring opportunity so again when Hop Hopkins, despite them trying to force the ball to him, was taken out by offences. Um, J- Jalen Ramsey did a really good job and should have had a pick just as we went into the second half. And that, could have, again, could have been a real momentum changer. But again, when Hopkins is, is double covered, when he's been taken out the game by the defensive game plan, and they have sold out to take Nuke out the game, we need to see Fuller step up. We need to see Kenny Stills. We need to see Andre Carter. We need to see Kiki QT in the slot. We need to to diversify the passing game because I think what O'Brien slash Tim Kelly is guilty of when when Will Fuller does not get the long ball, when we do not stretch the field early, the play calling gets conservative, the playbook shrinks and I think this this then puts more pressure on Deshaun and we start to see drive stall and and, and we go for the predictable screen pass which got which got um which got chewed up quite early in the in, in one of our drives and it was very obvious you could see it coming. So look I think in terms of that it was it was it was a it was a Bad day on offense, really. The one big carryover, which was a positive also week one, was Carlos Hyde at the running back. He is the perfect running back for what O'Brien wants to do and pounded between the tackles. The former Ohio State man definitely looks like a welcome addition in this offense. Now, I wasn't a fan of giving up on Martinez Rankin in the trade as early as we did. I thought a third-round pick SEC product had potential to be a center, a guard in this league. But ultimately, he's shipped off. And as we stand now, two weeks into the season, it looks like the Texas potentially won that trade and Carlos Hyde is running with a point to prove. So definitely a positive for this offense. A long way to continue in terms of putting up the numbers. We have not had a running back like this that can do damage between the tackles for a long time. And it certainly shows on the last two games and helps really kind of balance out the offense. Duke Johnson, I think we, we all, you know, we, it was a rather aggressive trade to get Duke in. I think we just... Despite missing him early, we went away from him and he adds a real dimension to the passing game, particularly when the Texans were determined to go four wide to keep as many of the Jacksonville defence DBs on the field. We did not try and find them enough and and, and, and help to continue to, to sustain drives on the offence. So it was a poor day overall, I think, and the only time that the, the, the offence did actually manage to put up a six was from a turnover. And an inspired performance on the defence by Whitney Merciless. What an absolute... Sterling start Wits had to the start of the season. Luke's 
back to where he was in his 2016 form where he was a real double-digit sack guy and a real threat off the edge. Back into that, that thrust into that position, obviously, with the departure of Jadavian Clowney. But through two games, he's had three sacks, an interception, a couple of forced fumbles. So a really good, a real big positive for the Texans. And obviously Watt, um, in, his, in his limited stat line in the game, recovered the fumble and set up the Texans for a short field. Brennan Scarlett just signed the extension. Charles Amenu, fifth-round pick out of Texas again. Romeo just showing bringing some more some more bodies to the line of scrimmage in a much more aggressive game plan than we saw in the second half against New Orleans in week one and that really helped uh, disguise some coverages and really kind of keep Garner Minshew on his toes increased bodies at the line of scrimmage was great gap discipline from the linebackers and defensive tackles particularly Zach Cunningham's racked up nine tackles and was a real focal point um, and a, a real bonus for this defence. And, and week two, limited, limited action for Dylan Cole again as, as, as the defence continues to go for a three-safety look on some more obvious passing downs. Again, something to monitor, a team captain, a core contributor in special teams, but certainly like to see Dylan Cole play a bigger role within this defence because he, he is he is fast as he is quick, and there's not many players built like that in the NFL. In the secondary, I think overall, Roby moved inside um, after the departure of Aaron Colvin being effectively the scapegoat for a poor performance uh, in the second half of the defence in New Orleans. He's no longer there. Moved in. I thought he played well, despite per perhaps could be attributed to blame. You never know until you know the full, the full responsibilities of the defensive backs, but could be blamed for that score that the defence leaked, leaked late on. Laurie Johnson, it was great to see a defensive back, long-rangey athletic guy, going and physically attacking at the, at the point of catch and making a pass breakup late in the fourth quarter. Nice celebration as well in terms of his fire hose, Ghostbusters, whatever it was, I'm not quite sure, but it was good to see that attitude from the man from Gary, Indiana, and I think he's got a lot of potential for this team then to be a big contributor in a position that's much, much needed. On And I thought um, Deshaun Gibson as well, he made a nice open field tackle on Leonard Fournette when I thought he was about to break one to the house and, and, and was, was much more solid than he was in his week one outing. And Justin Reid, I think the game winner, despite the perplexing decision, obviously, to go for two. Doug Marone just wanted to end it there and there. I thought they had the momentum, go for two. I would have bet my, bet my mortgage on it. it was going to be a passing play. Goes to... Fournette in the clutch and Justin Reed puts his body on the line, forces Fournette back. He may have just creeped over the line, I'm not sure, but he definitely got a call earlier in earlier in that series where he did not break the line of scrimmage. The refs did not come in and bring the chains out uh, to measure that one. So it works both ways. It worked in the Texans' favour again um, for a late call. That's two seasons in a row. Similarities will be drawn for last season against the call against Frank Reich when he made a call against this Gets the Texans in overtime to go for it on fourth down, effectively handed the Texans the game, just as this one did. So hopefully the parallels can be carried over in the 2019 season and we can see this team go on a, a run and really um, and really take take on these this next stretch of games. And now let's take a look at around the league. Jalen Ramsey, apoplectic on the sideline with Doug Marone after a clear. Incompletion that dropped by DeAndre Hopkins. The team chose not to challenge it and he was not happy with the coaching staff. Had to be restrained by teammates and it now subsequently comes out today in the, today in the media that he is looking for a trade. Jacksonville willing to seek a trade partner looking for multiple picks, first round and some. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what team will be willing to give up that capital for what is, for my money, one of the most talented cornerbacks in the league who go down and down out and travel with the number 
number one wide receiver and play press man and take your main threat out the game. So we'll see where he goes. I know he shares an agent with Deshaun Watson, uh, David Magaletta, one of the, the rising stars of the NFL agent game. So love to see him in Houston if it can work out, but um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And moving on to Cam Newton. He did not look healthy on Thursday night against Tampa Bay. And every team in the AFC South has got to go up against Carolina on their schedule this year. So potentially if he's out or not fully fit, that's a winnable game for all, all four teams. More than potentially when the slate was when the slate was handed out back in April. Continuing on the theme, Drew Brees uh, clashed with Aaron Donald. Looks like he's hurt his thumb and his throwing hand. Jacksonville play playing New Orleans week six um, and throws that one up into the air in terms of how that impacts the division. That'll be a t Terry two gloves Gardner miscue duel out for the f winner takes all. And at, at this stage, I couldn't tell you who will win that. So certainly you think the Saints with, with the rest of their team. But I think if you look at the next upcoming games for the Saints, you think Seattle, Dallas, Chicago... And before the, just after the bye week, they've got Atlanta Falcons. Look, it's a tough schedule. And as we know as Texans fans, if your quarterback goes down, the season takes a whole new complexion in a hurry and, the, and it can, things can spiral out of where you ever envisage that season going. So hopefully Drew Brees again gets well. And then out for the season again in the AFC, Big Ben. Ben Roethlisberger, elbow injury, out for the rest of the season in Pittsburgh. A real blow to a team that was looking to try and get away from last year's controversy. Their own offensive linemen called them the Kardashians of the NFL and certainly it was a bit of a bit of a circus at times. And there's definitely the people of Pittsburgh were looking forward to a more prosperous season. James Conner looks like he's picked up an injury as well. So uh, it's tough timing on tough time in terms of the offensive depletion uh, on the injury front. Uh, for, for the Steelers, despite this though, Pittsburgh have gone out and traded a Minka Fitzpatrick as the Miami exodus seems to continue from that place. Uh, another former first-round Alabama pick can play various positions on the on the back end as a DB for that, that team, so it provides some versatility for a team that always seems to trade DBs high in the draft. He'll definitely be uh, a welcome addition to that secondary Perhaps strange the fact that you've done this after your big your quarterback Big Ben's gone down, but we'll see we'll see where this team takes them. If that turn, does turn into be another top ten pick, if Mason Rudolph can win games for this franchise, then we'll we'll will we'll, we'll certainly have paid dividends for them. I think you've really got a feel for Miami in terms of how that how that team's shaping up this season. Obviously traded Tunsil to the Texans, which we didn't really touch upon earlier, but a big big trade there. They are stacking draft picks similar to Sashi Brown did when he was in the Cleveland Browns front office. So certainly that season looks to be a lost one for them already, and they'll just be looking forward to Vegas in the twenty twenty draft so they can start rebuilding this roster um, as uh, as they look ahead to the seasons ahead. Hosed absolutely by New England uh, and Baltimore back to back weeks. So a tough start to the season. Any win will be a welcome win in Miami this season. Talking to New England, historically under the Brady-Belichick dynasty, they have not started well. Absolutely flying out the trap so far this season. Uh, looking really, really strong. Only conceded three points in their first two games. So definitely a warning shot to the rest of the AFC and the NFL that, that they mean business despite having putting Isaiah Wynn on IR injuries to Marcus Cannon on the line this the, the juggernaut that is the Patriots tactical master class continues to to uh, dispose of other teams at their will as as they'll be challenged by Kansas City and the and the as the two powers that be within the AFC Patrick Mahomes putting up four touchdowns in one quarter against Oakland despite a slow start. They came roaring back before halftime and were just able to ease out the second half and to get to get another win. So again, again, strong performances there, and that's the gold standard that the Texans are going to have to aspire to. And we'll both play on the schedule 
um, in this year. Daniel Jones named the starter in New York. Starter week three. So whoever in your office had week three in the sweepstakes, there you go. Eli Manning, potentially his last game for the Giants if this Daniel Jones experiment goes well. He was laughed at in the draft when they took him in, in, as early as they did. But yet, look, here he is starting week week three. He's got the, the bulked up that offensive line to try and protect him. We'll wait and see how they go. But again, it'll be a tough season uh, for Daniel Jones. He'll have to ha rely heavily on Saquon Barkley in the running game. Staying in New York, the Browns on the Monday night football blew past what's a very underhand Jets. But again, the, the real story here, Sam Darnold losing to Mono. A, a virus that's going to keep him out uh, for a number of weeks, and, and certainly, and certainly, again, a blow to the Jets and a blow to any, you know, a blow to that team, particularly with C.J. Mosley going out, the big free agent, Le'Veon Bell banged up. So look, I think it's a tough start to the Jets' season, losing that close game against the Bills in Week One. It's a difficult start, but again, many team playing on the on the Jets in the next couple of weeks. That that fixture takes on a whole new lens. After the Sam Darnold news, and big big one to watch, Tremaine Johnson, 72 million deal signed with the Jets a year ago, did not play on Monday Night Football. Coach Adam Gay said it was not disciplinary, so we'll wait and see on that one, but it's certainly a big money signing that Gase is trying to make changes uh, post the Mac Mike McCagney era as Joe Douglas looks to rebuild that roster, so an interesting one to watch. That's it for the news this week, and we'll look ahead to week three matchup. Week three of the season sees the Houston Texans travel to Carson, California, just outside LA. The Chargers still currently sharing with the LA Galaxy. Previously, I've seen some of their games there. It's a tough deal for that franchise, I think, being moved out of San Diego at their home. The, the whole Qualcomm Stadium was not a good one, but it looks like they've been, been, been moved for the... For the premise of moving to the newly named SoFi Stadium, which we'll share with the LA Rams when that opens in 2022, but it's but certainly for now they have to play on a multi multi-use surface that sometimes resembles a high school gym with all the various markings. With after the LA Galaxy, have played their game on the Saturday. So Luke, I think but, but prior to the season you would have said the Chargers were right up there in terms of the powers of the AFC. Uh, but but the first two games, it's been a shaky start, I think, um, to say the least. An overtime win against the Colts when they'd had their heart ripped out them by the retirement of Andrew Luck. And then the penalty and field goals missed last week contributed to a poor loss in a scrappy game in Detroit. So, I mean, look, ultimately on paper, they've got a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback in, in, in Philip Rivers. He's got a, a wide receiver cast who most quarterbacks would, would, would be envious of and elite pass rushers. And Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, and this has been added to some interior pressure by Jerry Tillery, the first round pick. So, so definitely a talented roster, but certainly injuries seem to be creeping in for the Chargers and definitely quelling the start to the season. Hopefully the Houston Texans can take advantage of it this weekend. The absolute irreplaceable loss of Derwin James, the absolute budding star at the safety position. He is a true playmaker on all three levels of the defense. So that is a really big hole in any team uh, left, left by the former Florida State man. Hunter Henry, again, desperately unlucky with injuries, continues to, to, to not been able to shake the injury bug, and it looks like he's going to miss significant time, if not the rest of the season. And Melvin Gordon, their star running backs, looking for big money and a big contract early. He's still holding out. Tom Palesco has come out and said they will not negotiate with him, so we don't expect to see him back anytime soon. So a couple of big factors hanging over this team, particularly with the, the, the injuries in the secondary. Adrian Phillips looks like he's broken his arm last week and potentially out of this tie, so there'll be a 
big reliance on Desmond King, this predominantly the slot receiver, potentially to move outside in second round pick. Nasir Adderley will certainly have a test against Hopkins. Fuller and Co. in the secondary. And I think that's where the Texans, to start this game, are going to have to attack. We're going to have to establish the passing game early. We said earlier on that when Fuller doesn't get in, get into the game and we, and we find the long ball early to open up the playbook, this team struggles. So that's going to be key. Test these guys early on and see what they're made of and see if they can hold and hold with us. Again, it's going to have to be a quick passing game to try and alleviate some of that pass rush from Ingram and Bosa. Watson will have to set the protection right, get the ball out quickly and make sure we can sustain drives and try and, and, try and take the, the death by a thousand cuts rather than trying to go for the long ball. Taking the long ball, all in good, but we've got to do it selectively and at the right time. And I think that's trying to get that balance in a young quarterback who is a gunslinger and wants to go for the kill on every play. I get that, but we need to see some balance and a bit of situational awareness. I think the Texans, again, we need to run the ball. The Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson um, tandem, fifth in the league through the first two weeks of running. So we need to keep pounding that rock and keep the keep the defence honest and balanced. See the tight ends try and get involved. Aitkins and Fells, I think, are matchup nightmares for anyone. Aitkins with his speed. Um, out can run also in the slot and Fells is just a big beast at six foot seven that can that most players will struggle to match up. And his former basketball background, he showed that with this one catch that he got against against Jacksonville. He can use his body well to get himself open, similar to what Andre Johnson made a living out of. So look, I think these guys need to be targeting more and often in the defense to try and take some pressure at these long developing plays that O'Brien seems to keep coming back for. On the defensive side, we want more of the same that we saw last week against the Jags. We need to stop the run early doors and make sure we, we get a handle on Austin Eckler. 154 all-purpose yards in week one and gave the Colts a, a torrid time against what is a deep decent defensive front so we need to make sure we try and keep him out of the game we really need our pass rushers to get active in this game and get after Rivers keep him off his spot keep keep the keep the, the offence behind the chains and really put them in some long down and distances that's going to be the key to the game because if you let Philip Rivers sit back in the pocket he'll, he'll tear you apart and he's ready to have a breakout game this season to get back to his form that he that he was looking so imperious at points last season so look the Chargers are three and a half point favourites on, on the spread I'm going to take the Texans 28 to 24 on the road. Thanks very much for listening on the, to the first episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. We want to hear from you, the Houston Texans fans across the UK, as we take this run up to the game in London November the 3rd. Next week we'll be reviewing hopefully what is a road victory against the Chargers and looking forward to the Week 4 matchup against Carolina at NRG Stadium. I've been you and Disonkoa, and wherever you're listening, wherever you're downloading from, you are Texans. We are all Texans. <laughs>